Welcome to another episode of a special podcast we like to call From the Archives. These are hand-picked sermons and sermon series preached in our church over the years by some of the pastors, elders, and special guests we've had the privilege of listening to. We hope and we pray that as we listen to these classic messages, we'll be challenged in our walk with Jesus and encouraged to trust in him more and more. That being said, let's dive into the episode. Well, hey there. Uh, Welcome to episode three of the From the Archives podcast here at Amford Church. I do not know how long I will continue to enumerate these episodes. Three isn't too hard for me to keep my mind over. In any case, we are carrying on with our Encouraged series in 1 Thessalonians. And this week, it's back over to Jonathan Thomas and the first couple of verses in 1 Thessalonians 2. Um, John is carrying on with the theme of encouragement and how the truthfulness of the gospel is an encouragement to us to share the gospel. Um, Outreach, evangelism, however you want to describe it, it's core to the life of the church, it's core to the life of each and every Christian. And John is at pains in this episode to show us that when we get Jesus right, for ourselves, then we are able to share him with other people. So I've got not much more to say than that. I should shut up and let you listen to John. Whatever we do with our resources, whatever we do with our time or our money or our people, has to answer this question. Is this helping people far away from God come close to God? Is this helping the lost be found? That's the primary question. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. Who are the three people that you would most love to become a Christian? Who are the three people in your life that out of anybody, if they could be saved, you would be so, so encouraged? Perhaps it's a parent or a grandparent. Maybe it's your spouse. It could be a child or a grandchild. It could be a friend. It could be a work colleague. It could be a neighbor. But my question is, Who are the three people that out of everybody you want to be saved? Someone's even phoning in this morning to tell us who they want. If you've got mobile phones, I'd encourage you to to switch them off. Uh, It's more embarrassing for you than me. But who are the three people that you'd love more than any to be saved? Well, this morning, I want to encourage us to share the gospel. And this is what I want to encourage us with this morning. Here's the big picture. If you forget everything I say for the next uh, 25 minutes or so, this is what I want you to remember. To reach our loved ones, we need to believe in and rest in the fact that Christ is enough. I'm not sure if you've ever thought of evangelism like that, so I'll say it again. To reach our loved ones, we need to believe in and rest in the fact that Christ is enough. And I want to show you that from uh, 1 Thessalonians. This is the letter that we're uh, going through at the moment. Um, And so if you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to read verses uh, 1 to 6. Um, And here uh, we see that Paul is telling the church in Thessalonica uh, that they're truly saved and that he truly loves them. And he's reminding them of how he brought the gospel to them. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We'd previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. 
But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel, in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We're not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. I want to tell you three things this morning. Firstly, Christ is enough for our content. Christ is enough for our content. Secondly, Christ is enough for our courage. And we need a lot of courage to share the gospel. But finally, Christ is enough for our character. Let's look at our content, our courage, and our character. Uh, Matt last week said he wanted to try and be like me and do an alliterated three-point sermon. So when he listens to this, he needs to understand this is how you do it. Three C's. Our content, our courage, our character. Christ is enough for our content. Have a look at me with verse 2 again. We'd previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel. That's what we dared to do. We dared to tell you his gospel. And why? Look at verse 4. He says, on the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Entrusted with the gospel. When Paul and his team went to Thessalonica, they felt entrusted with the gospel, and that's what they dared to share. Now, the gospel is kind of Christianese, isn't it? It's a word that we check out there, and perhaps you're new this morning, and you're not quite sure what gospel means, and you're thinking, well, that wasn't a very gospel service. You weren't clapping. Isn't that what gospel is, is, is clapping? Um, well, no, gospel is the heart of Christianity. Gospel literally means good news. And the good news is the good news about Jesus Christ. Uh, Mark chapter 1 says this, the beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, we quote this quite often, says that now this is the gospel. This is what you have to hold. And what is the gospel? That Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he rose again. The gospel is a central aspect of the Christian faith. See, the gospel is this. The message of the gospel is actually all of us deserve death. None of us like to admit that. We all like to forget that. But actually, as a member of the human race, in our own lifestyle, in our own thinking, in the good things that we don't do, in the bad things that we do do, in the way that we ignore God, that we are functionally atheists, we act as if he doesn't exist. For many of us, God isn't even a footnote in our lives. And the Bible says we deserve death. But God in his great love came into our situation. Even though we deserve death, Jesus sends his son to live a life in our place. And we know, don't we, that when he lived that perfect life, even though he didn't deserve to die, he did die. And the Bible says the reason he died, as we celebrated in the communion at the start of the service, the reason that we don't die is because Jesus died in our place. That's the gospel. You know, the gospel ultimately can be summed up like this, union with Christ. I don't know if you've come across this phrase, union with Christ. And the concept of union with Christ is this is in and of ourselves, if we were to meet with the holy God, in and of ourselves, all we would deserve is death. We sang it in the song, talking about the hell-bound race that we've run. But the Bible says that there is an actual other option, that actually we don't have to face God on our own. We can face God in union with someone else, in someone else, joined to someone else. You know, um, years ago, uh, some of you will remember, I went to the Queen's house. 
Now, when I went to the Queen's house, it wasn't because I was invited. Now, it's quite hard to get into the Queen's house. Although, a guy did get into a bedroom once, didn't he? And sat at the end of his bed, her bed. Impressive. Um, but you can't just, just walk in. Now, the reason I got to go in was because Becca was invited. So because Becca was invited and I was her husband, I could be the plus one. Because we were united, when I walked in, as I usually have to say in my life, I'm with Becca because she's sociable and I'm not. So I'm with, with Becca. And because of Becca, I got in. And here's the thing. When we live, we can come to God with Christ. One of Paul's favorite phrases is in Christ. In Christ. That's union with Christ. And you see, the gospel in a nutshell is this. We can either face God alone and pay the price for our rebellion, or we can be in Christ, united with Christ, saying, I'm with him. And he has lived that perfect life, and he has died that death, and he has risen again. That's the good news of the gospel, is actually, we don't have to face anything alone. We don't have to do anything in our own strength, because it's all done in Jesus Christ. And when Paul goes and he talks about the gospel, that's what he's talking about. Either on your own, or in Christ. And you know, when Paul would go places, that's all he'd preach. Do you remember when he went to Corinth, two or three stops later, he went to Corinth, he wrote a letter back to them, and he said this, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because that's the heart of the gospel. Actually, turn with me to Acts chapter 17, and let's have a look at this gospel that he preaches. Because there's another aspect of the gospel that I want us to understand today. Acts chapter 17, and I'm going to read verses 2 to 7. This is the historical account um, of Paul going to Thessalonica. Acts 17 and verses uh, 2 to 7. It says, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, that's a kingly term there, had to suffer and rise from the dead. That's the gospel we've learnt. And he said, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one who's going to come and rescue Israel. Now, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mod and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out of the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, and listen to this accusation. These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into their house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Here's the thing. The gospel is not just about the suffering servant Jesus. The gospel is about the true king, Jesus Christ. When they heard the gospel, because they were preaching about Jesus, they weren't just saying Jesus has died and risen again. They were saying Jesus has died and has risen again victorious, and he is God. He is king of all, and he now demands all of your life. And they were going, hey, Caesar, there's another king. There's another king. Actually, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians, we'll be saying in 1 Thessalonians now. Paul actually uses a very interesting phrase in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. Um, he's talking about the report he's heard. And 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, he says, For they themselves re- report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Do you notice that they turn from idols to the living and true 
God. Now, an idol isn't just a little Buddha with a funny belly. Okay, an idol isn't just something in Hinduism, various gods. Idols are something that we, even today in the West, in Wales, suffer from. An idol, biblically, is anything that you put your security, satisfaction, status, or success in. Whatever you need to make yourself worth something, that becomes your idol. We we all know what it is, don't we? We all know that there's something in life that we want. Perhaps it's security. So some of us work long hours and save certain amounts of money. I'm not saying it's wrong to work harder to save money. But what we're doing is we're trying to get to a point where we say, financially, I'm okay. But here's the thing about idols. Idols demand sacrifices. And the amount of people who started off getting the money and security for their family, who lost their family in the meantime, is phenomenal. The people who get to the end of their days and go, now I can enjoy my kids. Oh, heck, they've gone and they don't want to come home. That didn't quite work out. Because your good thing becomes an ultimate thing and it becomes an idol. Satisfaction. Sex. Those kind of things can become idols where we need to have that. How many people have got to the place where they need that physical satisfaction or that physical intimacy to make them feel worth it when they come to that midlife crisis and they realize they haven't done what they've always thought they were going to do and they've not achieved what it is, and then for one moment's madness, they lose everything. Why? Because idols demand sacrifices. You see, idols aren't just these little gods that the Hindus worship. Idols are anything in life that we think, I need that to be self-actualized. I need that to be someone. I need that. And once you're driven by that, that thing then controls your life, and it demands sacrifices. It demands sacrifices. And here's the thing about these idols. They give you a great life. Genuinely do. Rich people are happy people. Can I just say that? Don't lie, everybody who's got money, oh, they're miserably rich. No, I think they're pretty happy. But poor people, they're happy too. People who have affairs, guess what? They're happy people. Not all of them have massive guilt trips. Some of them are quite relieved. Idols for a little while will pay off. And idols for a little while will give you stuff. But here's the thing. In the end, in the end, they give you nothing and demand everything for eternity. For eternity. That's the thing. Idols are so subtle. And when Paul goes to Thessalonica, he can see their idols. And here's the key, here's the answer to idols. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. What's king of your life? Is it success? Is it security? Is it satisfaction? Is it status? Or is it Christ? You see, Christ does not everything for us as the suffering servant, but Christ demands everything of us as our king and saviour. You see, there are idols in all of our lives. And what he's saying is, is when I came, Christ was enough for your content because Christ has done all and Christ demands all. Christ has done all and Christ demands all. You know, some of us, even as Christians today, struggle with the demands of Jesus, don't we? And we all do. We all struggle at times with the demands of Jesus. And it's interesting sometimes how we react to teaching. Um, And I do this myself. Sometimes we react to teaching like this. We leave going, oh man, that was a heavy one again. They just want so much, don't they? I mean, I'm not happy with this. This is is crazy. It just demands all that. It's legalism. But yet other people hear exactly the same sermon and go, wow, 
can serve God. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. What's the difference between the two groups of people? Taking out the equation that it could have been just a terrible sermon, and if so, I'm sorry. But what's the difference? One Christian is holding on to the idols, to the success or the satisfaction or the security, and is holding on and is saying they're giving their life to Jesus, but isn't holy. So when Jesus makes a demand, they see Jesus like an overbearing parent. Oh, look again. It's just a nightmare. I just can't wait to get rid of them. Whereas other people have turned away from the idols and realize that Christ is enough. So when Christ asks them to do something, they go, oh, yeah, really? I can, I can do that for you? I wonder, how do you feel in your faith at the moment? Over the summer, when we did a series about saying, do you know what? You can listen to God's voice every day as you read the Bible. Did you hear that as, I mean, I've got to get up five minutes earlier. What kind of God demands that I get up five minutes earlier? You don't understand how tired I am. You don't know what it's like to have kids, John. You've only got one. I've got two or three kids. Get with the program. Five minutes. Once we get to the point where we think five minutes is too much for the God who died for us, I suggest there's an idol in your life. I'll tell you what my idol is. Can I tell you what my idol is? Sleep. And satisfaction. It's hard. In the morning, the reason I struggle to read my Bible is because I just want that extra five minutes. And trust me, for those of you who have kids that get up at half past five in the morning, that extra five minutes is golden. You know, life-saving, they talk about like the, the silver, the golden hour, the platinum, five, ten minutes, and all of these. In the, moment, in the morning, I just think, if I get an extra five minutes, I can face the day. If I don't, I'm probably going to kill someone. That's how it feels. But it's, it's satisfaction. I'm desperate for it. So often, there are idols in our lives, and we have to be aware of them. We have to be aware of them. And do you know the only way you can get rid of idols? The only way you can get rid of idols is to be satisfied in Christ. Go idle hunting and you will fail. You'll fail. Don't go idle hunting. Don't go, what's the idol in my life? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start doing? No, 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 you've completely got me wrong. Start going to Christ. Start going to Christ and enjoying Christ and savouring Christ and realising Christ is enough. And do you know what? The idols, they don't look so impressive anymore. They don't look so interesting anymore. Yeah, it'll be a battle. Yeah, you have to put to death. But you put to death when you realize that your life is now hidden in Christ. You see, we get it the wrong way around. We think God is demanding things so that we can enjoy him. No, 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 no. Christ is saying, enjoy me, and this is how you live. This is how you live. When they go there, they have the gospel. And it's so important that they go and have the gospel because that changes lives. I mean, they had severe opposition. The Jews went mad with them. They were really going over to Jason's house and they got the local political system against them. The only reason they would stand in Christ is when they realized that Christ is enough. Here's my question. This morning, is Christ enough for you? Is he genuinely enough? Day by day, week by week, month by month, it is a journey as a Christian of being satisfied in Christ. Of not coming and saying, oh, I've got idols, I'm terrible. But of saying, okay, why aren't I, why aren't I satisfied in Christ? What, what aren't I enjoying? That's what we need to do, is to do that. And so that means when we share the gospel, Christ is enough for our content. 
Christ is enough. Do you know, some of us struggle with evangelism because we don't know all the answers to difficult questions. It'd be interesting to see this morning if we had a show of hands, who's scared to share the gospel because someone's going to ask you about evolution or the authority of Bible or the role of women or the place of homosexuality. You know those questions are going to come up and, 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 and you're scared. And do you know what? It's great for Christians to learn apologetics. I think it's great to understand all of those things. But, but here's the secret, okay? Here's the secret. All you need to know is Jesus. Genuinely, no? Hand on heart. I'm not lying. It's great to look into all the other things. Brilliant. But really, all you need is Jesus. If you can't answer the difficult questions, don't worry about it. Just tell them I don't know. Come and meet a man I know called Wynne Jones. He'll tell you all the answers. His office is on 6 College Street, and he's there anytime. He's happy. And if he's not there, his son Alid will answer all of them. Just, just tell them that. Because in the end, all you want to do is introduce them to Jesus. Yes, you can learn the other answers, and I'd encourage you to do that. But ultimately, have the confidence that if they meet Jesus, that's enough. That's enough. We need to realize that Jesus is enough for our content. But this is what you've got to understand. Jesus has to be our content. When they went with the gospel, they went with the content. They went with the message. Jesus Christ and him crucified. But here's the second thing. You see, okay, you're with me, okay, it's all about Jesus. But that doesn't change the fact I'm scared stiff of sharing the gospel. It doesn't change the fact, does it? It doesn't change the fact that when we come to that point where we know there's an opportunity, we start to feel sick. It doesn't change that, does it? Some of you don't. You're, you're really going for it. But for the 99.9% of us, the rest of us, we, we really get scared when it comes to evangelism. Here's the great news. Christ is enough for our courage. Have a look at verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 2. This is probably one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. We'd previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. I love that. They dared to do it. They dared. And, and look at the context. And it says at the start there that they'd been treated outrageously in Philippi. I mean, they were Roman citizens, but they were taken and beaten and whipped and put down in the jail as if they weren't Roman citizens. It was horrible. It was shameful what was happening to them. And they came to Thessalonica, and then they had strong opposition. Strong opposition. People coming. A mob chased them to Berea. And the thing is, Paul was able to do it because with the help of his God, he was able to dare. Now, sometimes we get a wrong picture of Paul. Sometimes we think Paul was this hard-as-nail guy who could walk into any town, in any bar, in any city, and share Christ, and he was like water off a duck's back. It wasn't at all. It wasn't at all. I don't think there are people in the world who aren't scared of physical violence. Why would we think Paul wasn't scared of physical violence? I mean, the guy went through a lot, but that doesn't change whether you're scared of physical violence. In fact, he goes through this. Remember, he goes to Philippi, he's beaten and put in jail. He goes to Thessalonica, and he's chased out. He goes to Berea, and they chase him there. And then he goes on to Athens, which is all very nice and polite and university kind of educated. And then he goes on to, to Corinth. And again, when he's writing back to Corinth, do you remember? He goes, he says, when I came to you, I came in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Can I say, if you'd gone through imprisonment in Philippi, and if you'd had people chasing you from Thessalonica to Berea, in all the new places you'd be going, you'd be shaking, you'd be scared. And Paul, even with all of those fears, even with all of those feelings that we have, 
He still did it. Why? Because with the help of our God, we dared. Here's the great thing. Think about the Great Commission. Okay, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, go. And he says, look, preach the gospel to all the nations. And what does he say at the end of the Great Commission? And surely I am with you always. Well, how is Jesus with me? Well, okay, let's go to Acts 1.8, another verse important to us as a church. Acts 1.8, remembering the day of Pentecost, Jesus says this, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, which means that when we go and share the faith, Christ is in us. It's so important to understand that we are Christians who can look back to the cross and to the day of Pentecost. It's really, really important. It revolutionizes the way you share the gospel. When you realize, I am a Calvary Christian and a Pentecost Christian. If you want to say Pentecostal, you you can. Okay, I have both of those things, the cross and Pentecost. Which means when I go and share the gospel, I can have courage. Let me tell you how I have courage because of the cross and Pentecost. Think about when you're sharing the faith. What are you scared about? Have a think in your mind, okay? When you're sharing the gospel, what is it that scares you? Shall I tell you what scares me? And then you can see if you have the same thing as me. The first thing that scares me about evangelism is I want to fit in. I want to fit in, just being honest. I don't want to stand out. And being a Christian these days makes you stand out. We were out uh, last week with the other parents from our year. And, and we're all out, and all the guys are standing around, and they're all builders. They've got proper jobs, you know? These real manly things. And they're all talking about insulation and all these kind of things I don't understand. And I was grunting along, going, yeah, oh, yeah, oh. Ooh, 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 ooh. The only thing I knew about was biomass boilers. When that came up, and I only knew that because Ems does it, and I, that's all I knew. And I was just, and you could see it. And, and finally, as the group were going around, it finally came to me. So where do you work, John? At that point, I was like, if I could say anything else in the world, I would say it. Because at that point, I am utterly aware that there's a good chance that everybody in that group is going to look at me and go, a vicar. <laughs> really. And, and, and there could be a bad experience from the past. I could have jibes about child abuse and the priests. I could have stuff about wars and all the hate in the world. I could have anything at that point. And honestly, I'm just being honest, you'll probably want to fire me after this. At that point, I just, I just don't want to say anything because I want to fit in. Or, or the other time is when someone asks me something and I want to share the gospel and I'm scared I'm going to get it wrong. I'm scared I'm going to make it worse. Do, do, do you know what I mean? You're, you're in that position and you can feel the conversation coming and you're thinking, I'm just going to wind them up or they're going to ask me a question and I'm not going to know the answer. And there's a fear. Here's the great thing. Because Jesus has died for me, and my life is now hidden with him, I don't need to fit in. I don't need the acceptance of others. It's nice if it happens. But you know what? Acceptance can be an idol. And here's the thing. Most people, they don't care that you're a Christian. In fact, they find it quite interesting. I spent the next half an hour trying to explain the differences between Anglicans, Catholics, and what we do. People really, do you know what? Very rarely you don't fit in. But even if you don't fit in, that doesn't matter because Christ is my acceptance. Or perhaps as well, you might think this. 
but I'll fail. Here's the great thing. Because of the day of the cross, Jesus is my victor. And he will never fail. And because of the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is at work. And even when I make the messiest, most disjointed, bizarre contribution to the gospel, the Holy Spirit breathes on it. And he brings new life. You see, let me ask you this question as we come to a close. We're not going to do the third point this morning, so imitate that. We're not going to do the third point this morning. Let me ask you a question, okay? Show of hands. Show of hands. I want you to put your hand up if you are led to Christ by a professional Christian, a full-time Christian worker. So hands up if you are led to Christ by a professional full-time Christian worker. Okay, have a look around. Have a look around. There's a few. Okay, maybe... 10, maybe 10. Okay. Put your hands up if you were led to Christ by a family member. Brother, sister, mother, grandmother. About 20, about twice as many. Okay. Hands up if you then led to Christ by just a Christian. You weren't related to them, but they weren't full time. They were just a Christian. Hands up if you were led to Christ by them. That's about 30 or 40 of us. Here's the thing. God uses ordinary people. God can use all of you if you just trust him and just believe. Do you know 88% of women who become Christians went to Sunday school? Something about sharing the gospel with children. Do you know 83% of people who are Christians, I'm sorry, 86% said that a relationship with a Christian was significant. The most effective way of sharing the gospel is ordinary people sharing the gospel with ordinary people. And you know what? All you need to do is know Christ. And all you need to do is trust in the cross and his spirit. And he will use you. He will use you. Let me give you a challenge this morning. And the band are going to come back on the stage so we can sing our final song. But as the band come up, let me, let me give you this challenge. Some of us, some of us have lost confidence And we honestly don't think Christ can use us. Some of us have been sharing the gospel and praying for people for years. Particularly loved ones. Particularly husbands and children and grandchildren. And when you think of evangelism now, you feel pain. You feel pain. I want to tell you, in spite of that, dare to tell them the gospel. Dare to tell them about Jesus. In appropriate ways, in the right times, I understand that. But take a step. Pray and say, God, Jesus has died for me. The Holy Spirit is in me. I pray that I would share the gospel with them. Let's do that because that's why we're here. That's the most important thing. Well, that's it for another episode of our From the Archives podcast. We hope that you found it challenging and encouraging. And as always, we'd like to offer you a few quick next steps that you can take right now. If there's anything that you'd like to discuss or any questions that have been raised, please do contact us via email to contact at amfordchurch.com. If you want to know more about what's going on in the life of the church, make sure that you like us on Facebook. And lastly, why not check us out on YouTube, where you'll find additional teaching to complement our regular sermon podcast and our From the Archives podcast. Thanks for listening.